time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. It's good to have you with us, everybody. Monday, September 9th, 2019. I hope you're having the beginning of a good week as uh, we are here. And this podcast, which we create, is created by mortgage professionals. Of course, it's for mortgage professionals. And we're grateful to have you as our listener. You know, our commitment is to bring you timely information in audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. I got the nicest text message from Amy at Merce, and she was saying, I cannot believe this. You gave me a shout-out. I was doing my laundry, and you gave me a shout-out. Yes. Amy Moses, we love you. So anyway, so good to have you with us, everybody. Today's hot topic, Stephen Cooley, founder and CEO of Art versus math. Just the title should cause you to want to get in for those of us who are the artists in the community. See, Andy crosses over. He's a mathematician and an artist. Alice and I are more the artists in our natural lives, and so it's fun. It's going to be really a good hot topic segment, and I want to give a big shout out. We're pleased to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. If you want to check out all of the podcasts that are now that are part of the industry, we're part of this. It's the industrysyndicate.com. Check it out. Jason and Joss now have Shred Media. Really pleased with the partnership we have with everybody there. Also, this week's listener shout-out is a long list. i got to get it to Steve Megson, who is with Finastra and listens regularly, comments on it. Carol Covington's always liking the things we post out there. She's out there in Southern or in the Bay Area, actually. Carolyn Covington, good to have you as a listener. And then Finn Clumman, who works with our good friend Lori Brewer. She used to work with Alan over there at that other company, Logic. <laughs> so he now works for Lori Brewer at LBA Work. Glad to have them as listeners. And of course, Dan Smith of Compliances. He's a regular listener. And you've got to go back and listen to that other podcast. He's dragging in housing policy expert. So we got now Alan Jones as a listener with a housing policy advisory service there in D.C. So anyway, really pleased to have them. Hey, by the way, I just got a news update from Mitch Cohen, the Director of Public Relations and Marketing Communications of Black Knight. Get this. They just released a report. you got to check out all the Black Knight's releases. They just interested the mortgage monitoring report. It just came out today, and basically here's what it says. The 30-year mortgage rate, because the Freddie Mac's rate survey just dropped to 349 and falling, I'm believing. It seems like it just rates rates so keep going down, down, down. Some adjustment. We'll hear about that from Joe and Les here in just a minute. But because of that, it has resulted in 11.7 million homeowners that are now in refinanceable population. In other words, 11.7 million homeowners can be refinanced. It makes economic sense. It's the largest ever. So you want to learn more, check out the article that uh, Black Knight just published. Our good friend Mitch Cohen, Director of Public Relations there. Appreciate him and all our friends there at Black Knight. Check out blackknightinc.com. Also, special thank you to all of our sponsors, of which Black Knight is one of them. With their actionable, intelligent platform delivering data that drives growth. Also, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America and the Community Lenders of America 
Both these associations are really helping industry professionals get their message out way more than industry advocates. Check out both of their websites. Also, Open Mortgage, leading buyer of reverse mortgages in the home of some of the top LOs in the country. I love what Scott's vision is for the industry and for the company. you got to check out what he's doing on his website, openmortgage.com, as well as Finastra. They have this really cool tool that uh, works at MortgageBot Solution. It, you can go check out what's on their website and on our website as well. But what they have as far as a POS, it is really, really solid. Check it out. It's better than anything I've seen out there. I'm serious. Check it out at finnastra.com. Also, ResX Warehouse Lending and Division of United Bank. We had Ken Jones on in July 22nd. I was talking to Ken on Friday. Excited to have him back on. We're going to have him talking about some leadership stuff. The, the community of warehouse lenders, there's such an opportunity. Their perspective of what they see in the market because they bank all these independent mortgage banking companies, their perspective on leadership is really unique. So we're looking forward to having Ken come on and talk about that, as well as our two co-ops, the Lenders One Co-op, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative Co-op. Both these co-ops allow you to create competitive advantage through up-close personal meetings with lenders and vendors. It's really good. I was just talking to David Kittle of uh, TMC, the Mortgage Collaborative, and they just had their event, as did Lenders of One. Both these events were very well attended, and everyone that I've talked to that goes to these things, they glad to be part of it. So do you need to be a member of the MBA and these? Yes, you do. Check out Velma, which is an efficient mortgage marketing platform, as well as KnowledgeCoop, provided fun and easy training for mortgage lenders, and Vidyard, powerful video communications technology that we use to get the message out and communicate with people, as well as AI Assist, powered by Conversica. Go check out Roman Vinfield's interview that we did with him on July 15th about marketing your business through AI. Also, special thank you goes out to Alice, Andy, Joe, and Alan for their contributions each and every week to the podcast. So without further ado, let's get over to listen to Rob Van Raphorse with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapports. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, the Trump administration released two housing finance reform plans, one from the Treasury Department and one from HUD. The Treasury Department focused largely on the future of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and included key priorities such as administrative steps to lock in successful reforms to date, such as prohibitions on volume-based pricing, requirements to maintain a cash window and operate on a nationwide basis, and strict limitations on retained portfolios. It also included legislative recommendations to provide an explicit federal guarantee on conventional MBS and to allow FHFA to charter new competitors to the GSEs. The HUD report focused largely on the future of FHA and Ginny May and included key priorities such as FHA servicing reforms to improve efficiency and reduce costs. This Tuesday, the Senate Banking Committee will hold a hearing, Housing Finance Reform Next Steps, where both plans will be discussed in depth. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson, and Federal Housing Finance Agency Director Mark Calabria are all scheduled to testify. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, good job, Rob. A lot of information there. If you want to go back and listen to that, you can go over to the MBA website, but you can also go to our website and download Rob's segment. We stack them all up there as we do each and every one of them. Les Parker is here with us with this week's TM Spotlight, focusing on that with a macro view of the markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Ainsworth Advisors. Unchain their heart, unchain their vote. Brexit, let it be. 
Parliament is about to unchain the heart of the UK voters to let them decide Brexit. When odds crash to 20% that Brexit happens on November 1st, calm, enter the market. With the extradition bill going away in Hong Kong, calm, enter the market. The minute China promised to go back to the table and negotiate reasonably, calm, enter the market. With the new calm, will negative interest rates fade? Negative rates occur when investors think deflation thrives and growth decays. Will China, Hong Kong, and Brexit unchain our rates and set us free? These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Yeah. Good job, Gary Kentrabone, on the production of that. Less good message on that. Yeah, the whole Brexit thing, really, really interesting. And he talked more about that. By the way, go check out the tmspotlight.com website to subscribe to Les's daily newsletter. Les and I are working on a lot of M&A transactions right now. Really amazing how much M&A is going on out there. So if you're interested in, uh, we've got someone acquiring a lot of companies right now that we're, we're working with. So if you're interested, also get a hold of Les and I. We'll talk about that. Joe Farr. Brexit, Brexit, hey, hey. Brexit. What do you think about yeah. all that stuff? Man, Man it's, it's getting a little stranger every day. Uh, I was going to talk about that in a week ahead, but might as well go to it now. I mean, I'm not sure I know the latest because I hadn't been at, in front of TV in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> parliament, you know, last, week, last week, the British Parliament passed a bill that said that they required the Prime Minister to have a deal before he could exit the yeah. uh, Brexit, and if he didn't have a deal, to request an extension. Well, then the Prime Minister's reaction to that is, well, I'll ask them for an extension, but at the same time, I'm going to tell them I really don't want it. And so now there's a potential legal squabble there. I mean, it, it is really crazy. And all that happens from this, and, and really what Les was talking about is the uncertainty that goes along with these things. And, and that uncertainty can be a good thing for mortgage rates in that people shift assets in times of uncertainty to, say, investments like mortgage-backed security, government-guaranteed mortgage-backed securities. And so the elimination of those uncertainties can go the other way as well because some of that's built in. I mean, some of the benefits we've seen in the market are a result of uncertainty in a lot of different areas. Uh, you know, but just looking at the last few days, Dave, we've seen a reversal of you know, 50 basis points or so in price. It's not a lot in rate, but it's you know, a reversal of what seemed like a very good start to last week. But I'll get into yeah. each of those weeks. Uh, uh, today, just for a quick update, MBS prices are down a little bit. You know, the stock market was flat last time I looked. No economic data came out today, so not a lot to point to there. But last week, rates ended the week about where they started, but it wasn't a straight line like it has been in the past. It was another volatile week. Good days on Tuesday and Wednesday were offset by a bad day on Thursday, and the bad day on Thursday was a result of, uh, as Les pointed out, some increased optimism about the trade negotiations with China and added to, you know, maybe reduced some of the, the negative uncertainty that went along with that trade deal. And, and as a result, MBS prices fell off and the stock market improved as they shifted assets out of what had been safe investments and back into right. uh, riskier investments. So they can go both ways. The economic data that came out last week was uh, really some of the more important data that's going to come out during the month, but it caused very little reaction as the focus has been on these other uh, uncertainties. The uh, non-farm payrolls came out on Friday, and it was a bit weaker than expected. Uh, only 130,000 that new jobs were created, which 
in and of itself isn't bad. 150,000 were expected, so it was a little below expectations. But inside that number of 130 was a whole bunch of government jobs, temporary government jobs for census workers. So really that 130 was uh, weaker, uh, a, a lower number than, than its headline. Average hourly earnings did, in fact, rise at a tenth, so uh, that was a good sign for the labor workers out there. Manufacturing data last week that came out showed weakness, whereas the servicing sector data showed strength. That's been an ongoing theme here for a while. Fed speakers on Wednesday last week and in a speech by Fed Chairman Powell on Friday didn't do a lot to change expectations for the Fed activity. The Fed, you know, Fed rate cut expectations didn't really move at all, especially the, the next meeting or two. So a rate cut is the market expects by like 95% that there will be a rate cut next week. Yeah. Yes. Looking at this week's data, a lot of focus is going to be on the European Union as, mm-hmm. as they're holding their meeting on Thursday. The market expects a 20 basis point rate cut and some form of additional quantitative easing where they uh, may be buying more government bonds or possibly even uh, Eurozone stocks. Other central banks are also doing that. On Friday, China, in a mild, in a small in a small way, made it easier for Chinese investors to. Uh, I think they hold. They have to. Banks have to hold less capital now against some of the loans that they're making to investors. And then uh, U.S. Fed uh, on the 18th is, as I mentioned earlier, expected to reduce the Fed fund rate another 25 basis points. Over the last couple of weeks or so, there's been a small amount of change in the expectations for a third rate cut, but really not a lot. I mean, it's still almost yeah. 100% rate cut for next meeting, about 50-50 for the one after that, and about one in three for the one after that. So the market is really focused on the U.S. Fed as well as other central banks to provide some cushion and ease by easing monetary policy. But as we talked about earlier, Brexit is going to be a big focus for whether or not that yeah. uncertainty is going to continue. Is it going to be a mess? And if it is, you know, we might see a push into uh, more, you know, safer assets, uh, and that would be good for the mortgage market if things do work themselves out, which it's hard to see at this point. It may not be good for the mortgage market. So uh, it's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour situation right now going on over there so and it, you know as you're talking to your customers if you're an originator it's just something to let them know is in the market and is uh, a potential reason that their current rate may not be as good as in a week or two may not be as good as it is today maybe better yeah <laughs> uh, the economic data there's a lot of economic data to come out this week uh, jolts tomorrow producer price index and 10-year note auction on wednesday the consumer price index on Thursday and retail sales on Friday. All that data is going to be information for the Fed at their next meeting on Wednesday the following week. And so as that data is different than expectations, it may have an exaggerated effect on the market because of how it may affect the Fed and their policy-making decisions. So important to pay attention. For sure. Lots, 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 lots here on the calendar. Looking at it, the, the jolts, you know, tomorrow and then retail sales, all the way. That's good stuff here. Lots, it's a lots big of good week, stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a big week. Yeah. Very, very good. Appreciate you so much. I know you have a busy day planned. It's good to have you on. Thanks for dialing in here to join and share the calendar, economic calendar, for 
for our listeners this week, Joe. Really appreciate it. You bet. Uh-huh. All right, man. Folks, when you look at what's you know going on out in the marketplace, you know, sales, sales, sales. I mean, it really comes down to how are you selling? And so Scott Gordon puts together this little segment called The Science of Sales. I love it. We're going to get over to it right now. Scott Gordon here with a bit of sales science. Are you an authority figure? Behavioral scientists have discovered that people are much more likely to follow a person who is perceived as an expert. There's an important word you may have missed, perceived. Studies have been conducted to prove it. Physical therapy patients are more likely to exercise if their therapist has their degrees or certificates displayed on their wall. People are likely to pay a stranger for access to a parking spot if the stranger is dressed in a uniform. The therapist's credentials carry an air of expertise, while the parking lot officer is more an authority than an expert. The effect is more powerful when a third person introduces the expert. Even if the third party is directly associated with the expert, it doesn't affect perception. A group of realtors found that having their receptionist list each realtor's accomplishments before transferring customers to the realtor, their business increased drastically, 20% increase in appointments and 15% increase in signed contracts. So ask yourself, how can I structure my connections and referrals so that I'm introduced as the expert? Instead of giving your cell number to every contact, why not use your receptionist like the realtors? Let him or her introduce your expertise and authority. Or use an answering service. They can talk you up before forwarding your now-impressed clients. If this sounds too good to be true, it's not. It's just the science of sales. Good job, Scott Gordon. And check out all of the videos Scott has produced. And they be many. He has a full production facility in his office that uh, he uses to help promote his loan officers. Check out his company, openmortgage.com. Alice Alvey, good to have you here with us with this week's legislative update. By the way, Alice is CMB, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. Good to have you with us, Alice. Thanks, Dave. Well, hello, everybody. And you heard Rob Van rattle off a lot of really big stuff that's pending. And so I thought I'd take a few minutes here just to take a slightly deep dive in two of these items since the comment period closes in a week for both of them. So, well, I guess the comment period for one does close in a week. So, we're working with, if you think about the meltdown, right, when we when things first started to fall apart in essentially 2000, depending on where you were in the country, right? I'm from Detroit, so we go 2005, <laughs> but 2008, <laughs> you know, the rest of the country was a little bit later than the, than the Detroit area. But we have a couple of things that are now, you know, it's been 10 years, and so now it's time to really get a handle on what's going to happen with Fannie and Freddie. They can't stay in conservatorship. And we have to have a voice in this coming out. So the other week I did talk about the CFPB's proposed rule that's out for comment for defining a qualified mortgage. So your comments are due on this by the 16th, by September 16th, so by next Monday, to really get a chance to voice about do the QM rules work, and obviously there's differences of opinions from small lenders to large lenders, but also beyond just what defines a qualified mortgage for underwriting purposes in the credit guidelines, what about a debt-to-income ratio? Do we still need to have a DTI, or can we solely work within perhaps just you know an, average, an APR, an average prime offered rate, an APOR, that might be in just an indication that the loan is higher risk to the consumer because the rate is coming out so much higher. Is that really the only focus that we need at this point in time? So we've got this one piece of uh, 
legislate, well, actually rulemaking that we need to monitor. And then the second component is, as Rob said, both HUD and Treasury coming out with their housing reform plans. So at the same time, we have to say, all right, what is our underwriting going to look like? What is our credit quality going to look like? And then how are we going to keep the secondary market functioning and, and working with this? So there is a great read. For those of you looking for a synopsis of the housing meltdown, Fannie and Freddie, in just a few sentences and just fact, the beginning of the Treasury report actually was pretty interesting. The first 12 pages I'm reading, I'm going, this is just like a little history lesson. So part of my report is just, if you really want a little history lesson, go back and read that. And when you finally get to, yeah, it really was, I'm like, okay, this, you know, this works out pretty well. You know, being a teacher, I like to find things that summarize <laughs> that. We get a lot of our, the generation that is, you know, early 30s is really interested in it. And they, they really, mm-hmm. you know, we think they learned it, but they don't know. So there's mm-hmm. a couple of figures in here that really highlight how much of Fannie and Freddie's portfolio is over that 43 DTI. And the chart here, it's on, I believe, page 33, is it's over 30% of their portfolio. So if you look at how much AUS accepting a DTI over 43 is impacting our market, you can say, well, it feels like a lot. Well, it is a lot. I mean, statistically, they, those numbers are even are already there. So to put an arbitrary cap of a DTI is really going to be a challenge for the industry. So everybody out there, lenders, bankers, you all have to comment. I know MBA is going to be working on comments that we can all take a look at on, do we need to keep a 43 DTI to keep fairness and stability in the housing market and as Fannie and Freddie come out of conservatorship? So two great reads and things to spend your time on, Dave. I'll pass it back to you. Good job. Thank you. Good information too. And if you send us a link to that Treasury report, we'll put it in the show notes to make it real easy for our listeners to go back and listen to that or to read that. Yeah. And I found a great app. It's called Natural Speak. I had to read a whole bunch of depositions. Andy, bless his heart, referred me over a uh, legal expert witness case. And I had to read thousands, what seemed like thousands of pages. I'm not sure it's quite that many, but it was was a lot of reading. And I used Natural Speak. And you can turn anything into a audio book. And it is so cool. I love it so much. Anyway, Andy just posted it up here for as well. So we will, uh, we appreciate that. And we'll have this in the notes. Good job. Appreciate it so much, Alice, for being here. Say hi to Bill and Alan and, and the whole group there. Wish you the best and look forward to having Bill on the podcast here coming up here pretty soon on the leadership series we're going to be focusing on. Thank you, Alice. Hey, Nathan here from the Knowledge Cube. Do you need to teach a course Have you considered maybe using the Socratic method? See, it's a process of using questions that engage learners to question their assumptions in order to eliminate contradictions. The primary goal is not to have listeners try to answer unanswerable questions, but to get them to develop critical thinking and to keep them engaged in your topic. Have you got some training to do? Check out the Knowledge Cube for fun and easy video-based training for the mortgage professionals out there. And it's all powered by a smart digital platform. Be sure to check out them. They're truly a fun and easy digital platform for learning LMS system, learning management system. And they use something called the smart digital platform. Really good stuff. Check them out at knowledgecoop.com. Alan Pollack, good to have you here, my friend. So you were boarding up your house and heading out of Florida the last time we talked. Now, you ended up going south because... Normally you have to head north, but that wasn't the best place to go. So good to have you with us, friend. Yeah, good to be here. 
It's actually funny you bring that up because that is part of today's intro. You know, the forecasters were scrambling. Nobody knew the actual direction. And the reason why is because there are so many variables that affect where a storm can go. And so I, during that period, word got around. You know, uh, there is an unofficial meteorologist who has a website called SpaghettiModels.com. And basically, he created this <laughs> so website. Funny. It's got like four columns. And each column are all the places that all of the forecasters go to to get their information. And, it's, and he's this unofficial meteorologist. Anyways, he predicted the storm accurate, by the way. And what he did is he every day laid out what these data points mean. And basically, I started Google. I had to, I had to know more. Uh, and what I found is that, which we would expect, AI is so deeply embedded into the hurricane forecasting process. And, you know, oh, yeah. today it uses deep learning, neural network arranged deep interactions between layers of data and patterns. And basically, if you think about there's data that comes from airplanes, cylinders with parachutes that are dropped. It comes from gliders in the ocean. It comes from statistical data and performance and weather patterns. And when you put all that together, you basically get the, each model is no different than the standard and poor economic model where we shock different mortgage assets, right? Same kind of thing. And so they plot all this data out and then they create these models. And if you're interested to learn more about it, go to spaghettimodels.com. And I, I yeah. check spaghetti models today. One's coming towards Florida, but depending on the high-pressure system and the low-pressure system, and I don't want to sound like an expert, it will push it northeast and we'll be good. But anyways, uh, check it out. Uh, but it does bring me back to the collection of data in AI in yes. our industry. And if you think about the term that I introduced many weeks ago, DWTUT, decide where to use technology. You know, think about if you're looking to implement technology, not just use AI, but what is the data, right? And let's say you're, you're looking at working on the borrower experience. Well, what is the abandon rate? Take a look at your data. Have you surveyed your LOs? Have you surveyed your borrowers? Have you looked at what people's opinions were after the process? These are all the important data points. And they're just some of them, by the way. But if you collect those data points, you can make much more well-informed decisions. And by the way, even after launching new technology and a new portal, for example, you still have to go back and collect data because things, the way you may have perceived something is not the way it may have actually occurred in the end. So data, data, data. Data is king. We've all heard that, right? By the way, just a quick reminder, two weeks ago, we had a topic called to offshore or not to offshore. Uh, it was an introduction into a great article at a company called Full Scale. Go back to two weeks prior if you want to hear that. Great topic. And we can also get deeper into that whole conversation later on. This one's a quick alert, David. Mismo just rolls out what they call ILAD, and it is basically the industry's loan application data set. So it is the new ERLA. It's all the GSE's interfaces, their AUS interfaces, and support of the existing Fannie 3.2 file. It hurts me to say that, by the way, the 3.2 file. But, um, <laughs> but anyways, you want to check so it funny. out. They just released it. It's called ILAD. Also, you know, earlier today, this is the big topic of today that I wanted to bring up. You mentioned, I think, Black Knight said about 10 or 11 million borrowers are now eligible for refinance based on current rates. I saw a similar stat out there, Dave. They actually say about three quarters of a point can be saved by refinancing. So that's interesting. And I know that we've talked, you know, every day the NBA sends out right information or weekly applications are up, applications are down. What it all means is that rates are going to still stay historically low. Whether they move up or down a little bit and application volume changes, it doesn't matter. Rates are historically low, and there will always be some volume of refinance 
there may be more refinance occurring as folks are t- starting to tune in, especially before the election year, I think. So anyways, where I'm going with all this is there is an alert that was put out by another company. Uh, this was in an interesting article I read, and I'll post the notes. It's at a title agency website. Basically, cash out refinance mortgages are a brand new target for wire fraud. And David, we talked about wire fraud, I don't know, maybe three episodes ago. Oh. We've talked about it twice, and I've talked about it. It is such an important topic because people are being frauded. And what this new scam is, it's a take on the prior one where email systems and such are, are monitored and surveyed, and then they intercept. But this is where the hacker pretends to be the borrower to the title agency or to someone else in the transaction and provides fake information. And even though the borrower will provide it later, they may just be confirming it. Some borrowers don't know that, hey, how did you not have this already or how did you get it and why do you have it? Anyway, what I'm getting to is that this is a brand new area. I did some more research on it. The CFPB has put out an alert on it. The FBI has put out an alert on it. It's not just in mortgage, but it is the biggest in mortgage. It's actually over $300 million per month. Per month. That's right. And so if you think of all the digital marketing, which we're going to talk about today, you've created the best economical machine that Andy's helped you with, and you're compliant with Alice and Joe's guy, and you would understand the market, you are, and then your borrowers start losing their money, right? You you miss that one spot. So there are five incredibly short points that has been made. I will read only the brief of them, but these are very important. You know, you do want to make sure that the borrower and other participants of the transaction are always connected and are communicating and reviewing information together. Uh, You want to clearly explain the wire instructions. Again, you want to review them. You want to make sure there is no difference, no different than going to the bank to send a wire and they print you a piece of paper that you verify before you sign it. Same kind of process. You know, you want to securely share information via an encrypted email, not regular email. You want to confirm the identity of the party sending instructions. So being on the other side, And then more importantly, you want to verify again that it was transferred to the proper account. So there's a great article. I can put it in the show notes. You can Google it and it will come up. There are closing portals that are implementing technology, not just for the warehouse side of the transaction, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, but also for the borrowers. You want to start thinking how to secure and help your borrowers complete those transactions they saved their entire lives for. So with that, David, I'm excited for the second half of the program. And we are yes. hurricane safe as of today. You are hurricane safe. Direct from Florida, Pontevedra Beach, with Alan Pollock. Thank you. Appreciate it. Also, I want to give a shout out for Regina Lowry, who has Ditrex. It's a great tool. I think it's it's so affordable. Why people don't have that on their applications or in every transaction, I just do not understand it. So Ditrex, D-Y-T-R-I-X.com. Anyway, give you a shout out. Good stuff. It'll help you manage this risk. But boy, Alan, it's getting, those guys are getting so sophisticated in how they're coming after our borrowers and lenders and we're at risk. And it's the worst part the consumer loses buying that home or getting that thing refinanced. It's not good. That's appreciate right. Appreciate it. All right, man. Appreciate you. Have a great one. Look forward to having you participating in the Hot Topic segment coming up here just right after Andy Shell. There was a study done just a couple of years ago by Carlisle Gallagher that said 79% of bank customers go somewhere else for the mortgage. And it revolved around having the technology. It doesn't have to be this elegant, crowded screen. Sometimes the quicker the buttons you can just click on there to get to it. But I think the key thing that we're finding is 
it's that overall experience. You look at the millennials and they're a very educated group of people. We also look at the millennials, we all think of them as these young kids running around with iPads. They're not, they're 28 to 42 year olds now. These are people working in your branches. And once you have it on mobile, Eric, you know how you can track that. Absolutely, we look at it every day. We went ahead and implemented the mortgage bot mobile at Bank Midwest, started from nothing, and, and right now we're taking about 40% of our mortgage apps via the mobile. And you know, when you look at mortgage bot, just talk about experience. So this has been around for about 20 years. We've got close to 1,500 customers using it. And I know there's some other vendors out there, but they've got about 50, maybe 100 customers. The technology here is phenomenal. Check out the Mortgage Bot app that they have. We have information on our website. Get a hold of the, your local sales representative for Finastra and get a demonstration of this product. It is such a powerful, powerful tool. And also, of course, you go to Finastra.com to learn more about all of that. Andy Shell, so good to good have looking. the Profit Doctor here. We enjoyed everybody. Everyone says, hey, why are you talking about barbecue? Never invite us. Go oh, yeah, a little bit of a flight or a drive for Mosey, but Andy and I actually got together and did BBQ at our favorite place here in Opie's and Spicer Springs. Was, you can Google that, every one of our listeners, and drool as you go through that. It's some of the best barbecue out, so very, very good, and it's fun to talk about our mutual favorite topic, leadership, but you're here to talk about the Profit Doctor. That's right, Dave, and at Opie's, people can also look up butter beans. What is a butter bean yeah. anyway? So starting out with today, I've I've got to mention about the accounting webinar series. It starts on Wednesday, this this Wednesday, September 11th. Yeah, well, we we run it uh, twice a year in the spring, in March through April, and then in the fall, September into October. So it actually runs, it's five series, but it's six weeks, and that's starting again. So if you want to learn about mortgage accounting through the Mortgage Bankers Association, the webinar is starting soon. Go to the mba.org and look it up under education. So for the Profit Doctor segment, today is a really exciting topic. It's actually one of my favorite topics, art versus math. So like Dave has mentioned, I'm a professional musician and a certified public accountant. So that creates some degree of cognitive dissonance for me because you've got creativity (laughs) and structure that seem opposite. You've got freedom and control, opposite, flexibility and precision. And so all these things are part of life and all these things are elements of interaction between people and activities within business and this notion of art and math impacts everything in business and it's it actually is very influential in behavioral dynamics within industrial psychology so all of this is a really important topic and it and it can be applied in marketing and customer attraction and how do we get our borrowers and in leadership and culture affecting employee motivation and how customers' employees respond oftentimes is, is not just uh, – it's very unique, but it also can, can be quadrantized. It can be put into segments, and so there's a number of different tests that help do that, and Dave has one that he's fine-tuning, actually, with four quadrants. This is really, really cool because it's important to understand this. It's important to understand when you're interacting with people if they're an accountant or a musician. How do they think? Because how they think will affect how they hear, and how they hear will affect how they process information. There's a bunch of different learning tactics that come into play with this as well, visual learners versus auditory learners. But it's important to understand the dynamics between art and math. So like if you're marketing to accountants or if you're marketing to salespeople, 
going to be different. If you're motivating accountants versus motivating salespeople, again, tactics are likely to be different. And, and all, this applies all the way down through organizational design. So, like, for example, if you're managing a nuclear power plant or, or if you're managing a military unit, the control design is going to be very different than if you're managing, like, Google or, uh, you know, the Home, Home mm-hmm. Depot Garden Center. So you have very different organizational design that that is influenced by this how it operates. Like nuclear power plant, don't push the wrong button. You know, in the military, don't pull the trigger except when you're told to do it and only when you point at things you're allowed to point at. So there's a lot of this is driven by risk and reward. So risk and reward drive this sort of behavior. And among risk and reward, there's kind of two big areas. Financial and reputation are kind of the biggest things that people think about. And when you look at this, you think, well, okay, so what are some of the factors? What are the risks of being wrong? Well, what's, okay, what's the probability of being wrong? What if I foreclose on the wrong house? What's the consequence of being wrong? Well, I got I to gotta pay a bunch of money to the homeowner because I had an illegal foreclosure. So, but what's the probability of being right? And what's the benefit of being right? All these mm, things come into yeah. play. Alice deals with this all the time when she's designing her training programs because you've got to kind of teach to one size fits all, but at the same time, be mindful of the audience. So I'm teaching a class this week to probably a bunch of financial people, but I'm also teaching a class to mortgage CEOs. So the, the delivery mechanism is the same, but the content is different, and the way the content is delivered is different because art versus math. Do people want to see a lot of pictures and a lot of interesting stories, or do they want to see the facts and get to the point? you got to know this stuff because it matters. It matters in everything that affects business, and all of that drives profitability and success, and that's what we talk about here on The Profit Doctor is profitability and success. So there you go, Dave. Good job. Teed profitability and success. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, really good job of teeing it up. Appreciate it so much, Andy. And if you want to get a hold of Andy and learn more, take advantage of the many services he provides, get a hold of him at andy at mbs-team.com. Email him. Thanks, so, or head over Dave. And we, too, are slammed with M&A stuff. It's really interesting. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's really. The due diligence to get, is so important. It's just people yeah. jump right over the top and want to just do a deal without considering philosophical alignment, due diligence on the accounting dynamics, just tons of stuff. I'm glad you guys are busy. Yeah. And I know, I know uh, well, your team there is very well, competent. Well, your art as as well as Chuck. Chuck's one of the long-standing pros between you and he. Uh, you making sure it's getting done right, and him lining it up culturally and everything. I mean, some of the finest at it. So there's just so much activity. It's just more than all of us can handle. It's just really interesting. And some big, big deals pending. I mean, big deals. Some things that are like, are you kidding me? They're thinking about selling, or they're buying and merging, or something. It's just quite amazing. So. Anyway, this is the end of our weekly update, everybody. So if you're listening on a downloaded basis, we're wrapping it up here. But for those of you who are listening live, just stay right here because we're about ready to get into the Hot Topic segment. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finaster, Resex, the Warehouse Lending Division of United Bank, the MBA, the Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, CMLA, as well as Velma, Knowledge Coop, which is a great training platform, Vidyard, and AI Assist. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Have a great week, and be sure to come back next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week at 
Thanks for listening.